episode 2,280 of the number one podcast at Apple Podcast for Job Search. No BS Job Search Advice Radio. I'm Jeff Altman, the Big Game Hunter, and welcome. Today's show is Career Coach Office Hours that I recorded on Friday as a live stream. I live stream Tuesday at 9.15 Eastern and Friday at 9 a.m. Eastern on LinkedIn is a LinkedIn Live on YouTube and my Job Search TV channel. And on Facebook is a Facebook Live on Jeff Altman, the Big Game Hunter. That's my page on Facebook uh, for my work. And what I do is I take questions from people. Uh, they can be emailed to me in advance, or if someone doesn't want to do that, what they're able to do is send a message to me over chat. Uh, live while I'm recording. So this is Friday's show where I took or I responded to uh, 10 or 11 questions, I would say. The questions are going to be in in the show notes, or at least most of them. I'll, I'll see how many I can include there. But if you'd like to join me on Tuesday at 9.15 or Friday at 9 a.m., happy to have you. Again, this is Friday's show. And if you want to send me a question in advance because you can't attend live, you can email it to me at thebiggamehunter at gmail.com. And in the subject line, put the phrase office hours so I know what it's about and I can address it with the next show. And now, let's get going. Hi, it's Jeff Alpin, The Big Game Hunter, and welcome to, to Career Coach Office Hours. I spend time on Fridays at 9 a.m. Eastern and Tuesdays at 9.15, answering questions I've received from people about job search, hiring more effectively, management, leadership, as well as how I might recommend they deal with different workplace issues. If you're... If you want to send me questions in advance, you can email them to me at thebiggamehunter at gmail.com. And the subject line, put the phrase office hours. If you want to do it live while I'm on air, join me and put your questions into chat. I'd be very happy to answer them. And I stream to LinkedIn. I stream to Facebook Live on the Jeff Altman, The Big Game Hunter page, and on YouTube, on my channel there, which is reachable at jobsearchtv.com. Any of these places are where you can send me a message. And if you're on LinkedIn, just want to let, let me know that you're there. Happy to respond to you. Same with Facebook, same with YouTube. And uh, welcome. So I've got a number of questions I've already received in advance of the show. Uh, so let me go to the first one, which is, does it raise suspicion during a job interview if you ask what their policy on social media is? Suspicion's the wrong word. Now, I want to address social media here because I did a video about this some years ago. There are institutions that don't want you to have any sort of a LinkedIn presence. Uh, I believe J.P. Morgan Chase is one of those firms. And basically, they want you to remove all your information on LinkedIn so you're not contacted by recruiters. Bizarre. Um, I'll simply say, I would wait until you receive the offer to ask questions about their policy on social media. 
particularly uh, if you're joining a firm that has a policy that is going to ask you to tie one arm behind your back professionally. So wait, don't do it in interview one. Do it, don't do it in interview two or four. Do it when you receive the offer. And just ask them, what's your policy about social media? Oh, we don't want you doing it at the office. You could probably live with that. You know, and certainly, you know, if you're in the restroom and you're on your phone and responding to a message, so be it. They don't want you on, on your phone three hours a day. And if they have a policy that says you have to remove your stuff on LinkedIn, you've got a decision to make. Um, and I'm not going to advise you about what to do. I will tell you it is going to inhibit your opportunities going forward because the way you know search goes these days, recruiters are reaching out to people because they have opportunities. They're finding them on LinkedIn. And the person who gets ahead isn't always the smartest or work the hardest. And those are great qualities to have. People get ahead by being alert to opportunity. Sometimes they're internal to their organization. More often they're not, they're external. And it doesn't mean you have to take every job that's proposed to you, but it's just smart to be open to other things. So let's get practical here. Find out after you get the offer. Um, so, Ben uh, messaged me through chat. What about people who say they don't want to hire individuals with big personal brands because they want the company to be the brand? I'm not completely sure I understand the question. Uh, ben, take a shot at messaging me one more time about this. Uh, so, the the question I interpret as, okay, I knew that, Ben, don't worry. Um, when he originally typed the message, he wrote, what about girls? He didn't mean that. Um, so uh, he was just letting me know that. So it's what about companies who say they don't want to hire people with big brand experience, uh, personal brands, um, because they want the company to be the brand. So. There's a message in that. Uh, so if I'll speak about myself, I worked at a search firm for a long time and I started branding myself as the big game hunter while I was there. It's a great brand. People have contacted me for years because of that brand. I became bigger than the company I worked for. Um, and um, so I'll simply say for a company that's fearful, of a personal brand, it's their loss. So you pause for a second and you go, really? You don't see a benefit in hooking up with someone who has a personal brand and having it aligned with yours um, so that you can capitalize on all my followers and all the people I have uh, uh, connected to me. That's a problem for you. Even though from my standpoint, yes, I'll, I'll obviously promote what you do. I'm happy to do that. That's why I'm talking to you for this interview. But in terms of my personal brand, that's my protection, just like it is for you too. Uh, so there comes a time in life where you start to recognize that uh, you don't have security in a job and you have to look out for number one. 
And for however long you're aligned with another firm, you're aligned with another firm. So do that. Um, and if they don't find that acceptable, too bad, they're lost. Um, and you move on to something else. We can't hypnotize people to do things that they're, you know, when they're being stupid. So I'll simply say, um, lay it out simply. My brand can support yours. Um, and that's why I'm here is to do work for you. Yes, I've got a personal brand. A lot of people have personal brands. It's one of the things that makes us attractive. We understand how to promote and to promote an organization like yours. So let it go, lay it out, look them square in the eye on camera and deliver that kind of a message. And if they don't like it, next. It's really that simple. What's the difference between a life and a career coach? And how do you determine which one you need? A life coach generally doesn't deal with professional issues. They may come into that terrain, but they generally don't deal with professional issues. Career coaches do. And thus, if you're looking for help with a job search, hiring, management, leadership, workplace issues, there are coaches that cover these terrains. That's really what I do. The traditional definition of a career coach is around career transition. You know, I look at it from a professional standpoint and holistically. But when you're looking at most career coaches, they help with career transitions from what you're doing to today to a new profession. A life coach may help you uh, lose weight. They may help you with health issues. I know there are health coaches, but they are the big picture around life issues, relationship issues, and such. And that tends to be where their focus is. I know for me, in work I've done with small businesses, um, I describe it as I work with self-employed individuals who have a lunatic for a boss. And thus, I'm dealing with them emotionally, which is about their life, and how they bring it into their workplace in ways that are harmful to them. So that's how I approach it. I hope that that answers your question well enough. And again, if you've got a question for me, put it into chat. I'd be happy to respond to it. Is there a way to apply for a job without an email address? Can you fill out the application in person? It's becoming less and less possible to do that. Uh, because the fact of the matter is, in most places, there are security issues where they don't want outsiders in. Um, in addition, most of the people who come to their offices aren't qualified. And then you're filling out an application, and then what do they do with you? Well, they look at the application, shrug their shoulders, say you're not qualified, send you on your way. Most people get annoyed. Um, and thus, you know, find it rude and offensive that no one saw them. It's not about filling out the application. It's about completing the application and getting the interview. Go to a library, go online, complete the application because that's what they want. Uh, in the U.S., it gets you into their database, their applicant tracking system, so they can track you throughout their process. Uh, it does a lot of things for them. And from your standpoint, you may 
not have um, a good enough phone uh, to do this. Your computer may be old and slow. Solve the problem. Don't make it their problem. You solve your problem. Uh, so that in this way you can be compliant with their request. Now, I'll also say that, you know, why are you applying for jobs? Why aren't you networking to get introductions to managers who would want to hire someone like you? That's really the best way to go about it. But that wasn't your question. Your question was more along the lines of, I don't have an email address. What do I do? Can I go in person? I really wouldn't do it. It makes you weird, and weird is not a good quality to have when you're trying to interview with a firm. Ah, how do you recruit the best applicant for your company? I hate this question because it suggests that you're going to be uh, fussy, that you're going to be a difficult employer for people to get hired by because you want the best applicant, whatever that means. You know, as though there's a, like, are you going to bring in people from Saudi to your company uh, in uh, Japan or in the U.S. who would be the best person in the world for your firm? Of course you're not. So let's start narrowing it down to your market area. Uh, so if you're in New York, have the best person be willing to work in Manhattan for your firm. Part of this is how you brand yourself. How do you promote yourself to be a quality employer so that people know who you are and thus want to work for you? They're networking to try to become an employee of your firm. It makes it a lot easier. Uh, so the idea becomes, what's your reputation? How do you become magnetic to quality people so that they want to come to work for you. That's really the way to do it. The second way is employee referrals from people who are successful in your organization. They know what you look for. They know what it's like. They probably know people who will be qualified, who may be interested, who may be available. Ask them for recommendations. Give employee referral bonuses if you hire someone who stays on board for at least 90 days. It's going to be less expensive than agency fees. You can also go to recruiters because they're going to dig in deeper uh, and have a broader reach. But you know how you can see what I'm doing. I'm trying to do this in a way, number one is a no-cost way. Number one was develop a brand where people want to work for you and thus they're reaching out to you all the time. Number two is employee referrals. That becomes a way where people who know your organization uh, and like working there are compensated for recommending someone who they'd want to work for who you hire. And you pay them less than number three, search firms, uh, recruiters, uh, who will be out there. I'm talking about contingency here. Contingency recruiters will be reaching out to lots of people uh, in order to uh, find someone who you want to hire. Those are the three primary ways. There are more, but those are the three primary ways uh, that you can find people for your organization. Next question. Oh, this, this is such a fun question. 
what's the best leadership lesson to learn from the Game of Thrones? People sometimes have too much time on their hands. Uh, yeah. Um, so the best lesson I think you can learn from Game of Thrones is that everything is changeable. Winter is coming. You may have a, a good situation now, but a change may come that moves things into the abyss. Concurrent with that is the lesson then that someone who may be an ally may be a foe very soon and vice versa. You look for alliances, but you watch your back. You are aware that change is going to occur, that sometimes you can anticipate the changes and sometimes you can't, but anticipate the change will occur and nothing is static. Those would be the two lessons. Um, Marlene, I'm not sure what you're telling me. Could you try again? Uh, Marlene put a message in. Um, is it volume? Volume is, there's a problem on YouTube with volume. I'm sorry. Let me just try and turn it up on my microphone. Let me try the volume on this side. I hope that works. Marlene, thank you for bringing it to my attention. So those are the two lessons I would focus on from Game of Thrones. Uh, and let's see what the next question is. Uh, oops, sorry, I clicked the wrong option there. Why is pay such a taboo thing to discuss in an interview or even among coworkers? I'll speak from my own experience. I did search for a long time, uh, so like 40 years plus. And let, let me deal with coworkers first here. With coworkers, the issue is it fosters resentment. So employers don't really want you to, to talk with your colleagues about it because I'll give an example from the search firm I worked in. I joined at the highest percentage cut that, of anyone in the firm. Uh, and thus, I was paid more than people who've been with the owner for 10, 15 years. At times, they really resented it and did things to shoot me down and not help me close placements and things like that. They were babies. And some organizations will have employees where they won't recognize the difference in experience and talent. They're just going to be hurt and resentful and act out. In the interview process, there's a different scenario. Now, we're dealing with companies here in, in locations where it is still legal to ask about compensation. Actually, it doesn't really matter. Let me, let me deal with it this way. When you bring up what you're currently earning, it's normally asked as during a screening round where no one is really equipped to evaluate you yet. They haven't found out about your knowledge, experience. They've read a resume. You're just a, a person sitting opposite them or talking to them on the phone, and um, they don't know what you're capable of. So it becomes an easy way to screen you out. You are asking for more than what the budget is. And the person there is a screener who is only being paid to reject. They're not being paid to actually hire. 
So the result winds up being it's a mistake to talk about salary during the interview without, you know, like sometimes they'll say, would you be flexible about that? Yeah, I can say that now, but understand, I really don't know enough about the job to really commit to that. I've read a job description. I haven't met my future boss, the team, really heard from them about what the role and responsibilities are. I've read a job description that's probably two years out of date. So I can say yes now, but after I talk to people, I may come back and say, no, I'm not flexible. If anything, I need more for this job. And we'll just leave it at that, okay? So the reason you talk about don't talk about money is it becomes a screening out criteria. And in terms of in states where it is not legal or cities where it is not legal, the reason is it's adversely affected women primarily who are not, uh, many of whom don't negotiate well. And I'm, I'm working with government and women's group statistics. I've had experience with women who've been great negotiators, but this is the logic system behind it. Women are adversely impacted. Uh, people in general don't know what the salary range is for the job. Companies establish these policies where they'll pay you X number of dollars above what you're making now. Uh, and if you lie, they find out about it when they send the background verification form to your current employer post-employment, and when they find out that you filled out the application or spoke to them and told them a lie, it's grounds for termination, and they terminate. And they do it because insurance wants them to do that. After all, if you're in a situation where, um, I'll use one from years ago, uh, with hiring stockbrokers and this person has lied. The, the broker candidate has lied. And now they embezzle money from grandma's life savings. What's the result? Well, grandma's out a lot of money. Grandma sues. The lawyer gets the records of the hire and discovers, you knew he was a liar. You knew she was a liar. And you hired them anyway. They were a fraud. And thus you wind up in a situation, the firm winds up in a situation where they're not covered on insurance. They don't want to put up with that. So, you know, the long and the short of it is it's a taboo subject because it causes companies uh, to uh, be fearful. Uh, and they don't want to have a situation where there are problems. And in interpersonal situations with coworkers, it, there's a different dynamic where resentment plays out. What advice would you give someone going into to a leadership position for the first time? And then I got a question a little bit later. How do leaders manage to get their teams to follow them? I'm going to pull those two together because I think they're pretty nicely linked. Um, so number one is as a leader, you're not really a manager. You think of yourself as the captain of a boat uh, and you've got a crew. The managers are there to deliver. You set out the vision. And in doing so, you enroll people to support you. You hire people to support you. Got the comparison there? Your job is to lead 
and you lead through inspiration. Managing is getting people to do what you want. It's about the delivery on the tasks. Leadership involves being the person who holds the vision, who steers the vessel in the ocean, who's looking out at the horizon and wants to uh, point the direction for the ship. The manager is the one who runs the engine room, uh, who's doing a lot of the mechanistic things. Now, the second question is how do leaders manage to get their teams to follow them? They want to follow you. You enroll them in the plan. You get their buy-in. You can force them to do things, but you won't get their heart. Ideally, the goal is to get their heart so that in this way they want to do things and they're not being forced to do things. The idea very simply is when you think about the role of leadership, there's a number of things, and I, I want to quote, uh, you know, um, give Lance Secretan credit for this, L-A-N-C-E, Secretan spelled secret with an A-N. He's got a lot of videos on YouTube, has a lot of books out, um, and he talked about what he calls the castle principles. To be a leader, you have to demonstrate courage because sometimes you have to do things that are unpopular. You have to be authentic. You have to be in service to others. You have to be truthful. If you've ever had a manager lie to you like I have, they, they lost me at the point they started lying to me. You gotta love your people, open your heart to them uh, so that in this way, they know that you care. And ultimately you and they have to be effective. No effectiveness, upper management has a problem. Now, tying in with the Game of Thrones question, you also have to be aware that your people have an agenda. And sometimes not everyone you hire is going to have your back. And if anything, some of them are going to want to take you out. Winter is coming, <laughs> if, you, if you remember that uh, comparison. So the long and the short of it is you have to be in a situation where you're leading in an inspiring way so that people want to follow you and they're not just doing things out of obligation. They're doing it because it's the right thing to do. They care about you. They care about the mission. It's all good stuff. Let's continue on with another question. Um, what do recruiters or job interviews, let me skip this one, I'll do that one a little later. Um, why are tech interviews at FANG companies so difficult? Because they have lots of choices. People want to work for them. Now, you could ask the same question about any employer where you had an interview where you didn't do well which I think is implied in this question. Gee, why is it so hard at these companies? I'm not passing. That isn't what they said, but I'm reading between the lines. And the other possibility is they're hard because you don't know your stuff. So remember, it's a two-way street. It's not always about them. 
They define requirements and criteria that they're going to use to evaluate and assess people. Uh, and you, on the other hand, are there to demonstrate that you can deliver the goods. It's difficult because you couldn't deliver. They may ask extremely difficult questions reflective of their environment, but they do it for a reason. One of the reasons may be they have 10,000 people applying for the job. Another reason may be these are the actual criteria we need someone to match because it reflects the nature of the work. So don't just look at it from the standpoint, oh, it's so hard, it's so hard. Well, it's about you, you couldn't deliver. Uh, my job interview over Zoom was extremely short, yet the interviewer asked me to email her if I had any more questions. Is this a good sign? No. No, it's not a good sign. It's not intrinsically a bad sign uh, that they asked you, that they offered that up to you. What's the bad sign is you had a short interview. They figured out pretty quickly that you didn't do well and that you were a waste of time. So they got rid of you. And in getting rid of you, um, you know, put it very simply, you stank up the joint, they were being polite. They got it over with so they could get back to work. What do job recruiters or interviewers mean by right fit? Ostensibly, they mean that as a personality type, as you display in the organization, as you displayed on the interview, you would fit in with the group or the team. You have an attitude, a drive, a commitment to excellence that's reflective of what they normally hire and who succeeds. Another possibility is right fit could also mean right skill set. But most of the time, from my experience in search, it was a bad personality fit, which I frankly think is bull. Uh, as I've said many times, job hunters are on good behavior and so are employers. Each of you is trying to persuade the other that you're right for each other. It's like dating. So given the fact that you're on good behavior and so are they, how do you figure out that you're the right fit for each other any more than on a date? People date for a period of time because you know they just wanna confirm their first impressions are the right impressions. Um, and it wasn't just the one-time occurrence. So what, what does it mean by fit? That's what it means. I think it's nonsense. Let me take one last look. Bear with me. And nope, that, that looks like it's it. I'm Jeff Altman. Hope you enjoyed today's show. Uh, if you're watching on YouTube, hope you share it. Leave a comment. Click the like button. Same thing on LinkedIn. Same thing on Facebook. Someone will benefit from this. I hope you and they found it helpful. Also, also visit my website, thebiggamehunter.us. You can schedule time for a free discovery call or schedule time for coaching. I'd love to help you. There's also a lot of great information on the blog that you can watch, listen to, or read that will help you with all these dimensions I mentioned earlier. And you can find out about my courses. You can find out about me and the work that I do. So uh, again, thebiggamehunter.us. Lastly, lastly, 
Connect with me on LinkedIn at linkedin.com forward slash IN forward slash the big game. I hope you have a terrific day. And most importantly, be great. Take care.